Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Let's not bury the lead. Of course they should have been arrested. And if you tried to do something like this, you should have been arrested and you would have been arrested. Here's the story if, if you haven't been following it. There are a number of, a relative handful of some of the self-proclaimed leaders of the Milwaukee protest group, you know, the, the folks that have show up outside of all the different protests and organize some of the marches and things like that. They decided that what they wanted to do is they wanted to march from Milwaukee, Wisconsin to Washington, D.C., with the idea of getting to Washington at, at the end of the month. Fine. All, all well and good. So there's a group of people that are walking and there are several vehicles that are, are driving with them as part of, of a caravan. Okay, fine. All well and good. Which brings us to what happened yesterday in Kosciuszko County, Indiana. That's how you pronounce it. I checked that out. This was the research. Kosciuszko, Indiana, which is a it's it's a a rural county in kind of northwest to north central Indiana. Um, It's a little bit. A little bit to the north and a little bit to the the west of Fort Wayne, a couple hours north of Indianapolis, if you're trying to, to picture this out. So it's northwest Indiana. So you have a group of, of these protesters that are, are marching, and they're, they're marching along a county, uh, along a state highway, U.S. 30, a divided four-lane, actually a U.S. highway. So... Two lanes going eastbound, two lanes going westbound. The speed limit is 60 miles an hour where this group is marching. You have a number of people who are marching on the side of the road, and you have a car caravan that is driving next to the people who are marching at the speed that the people are marching. So in other words, they're driving three, four, five miles an hour in the right lane of the two-lane road. I pick it up with the press release that was put out by the Indiana State Police. And if you want to see this in its entirety, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. I've got a link to the story. Here's here's what the headline says. Three arrested in Kosciuszko County. This evening, this t- last night, around 6 o'clock p.m., three protesters were arrested after intentionally obstructing vehicular traffic on US 30 in Kosciuszko County. US 30 is a divided four-lane US highway with a speed limit of 60 miles an hour. Area dispatch centers began receiving calls of traffic backed up for several miles in the eastbound lanes of US 30. Troopers made contact with a group of protesters walking along US 30 with eight support vehicles traveling at walking speed, so presumably less than 10 miles an hour, in the right lane of this two-lane highway, creating a dangerous situation for the group as well as for traveling motorists. At different times, pedestrians would also walk in the travel portion of the roadway and not on the shoulder. So what they're saying is that the group that was marching wasn't exclusively staying on the side of the road. Sometimes they're going over into the right lane of 
of traffic, which the speed limit is 60 miles an hour. It's a U.S. highway. Troopers spoke to Frank Sensabaugh, the group's leader. This is the guy from Milwaukee who uses the name Frank Nitty. Troopers spoke to Frank Sensabaugh, the group's leader, explaining that the group he was leading was creating a dangerous situation with both vehicles and pedestrians traveling at walking speed on U.S. 30. Troopers explained to the group that they were welcome to continue on with both pedestrians and vehicles traveling on the shoulder. So let me stop there for a minute. I kind of question the wisdom of this, but the state trooper said, look, if you, if you, the walkers, go over on the shoulder of the road and they are followed by the, the eight support vehicles on the shoulder of the road so the right lane is clear, we'll let you keep doing that. But, but you can't, you can't block the right lane of traffic. Purportedly, the group failed to comply and continued walking eastbound, with eastbound traffic continuing to back up for approximately seven miles. <laughs> seven miles. The group was again approached on U.S. 30 near County Road 900 East, where it was again explained that the group could not continue to travel in the right lane impeding traffic. After multiple attempts to gain compliance, Frank David Sensabaugh, age 30 of Milwaukee, Eric Ajala, age 20 of Milwaukee, and Tori Lowe, age 44 of Milwaukee, were arrested for misdemeanor charges of disorderly conduct and obstruction of traffic. Lowe was arrested for an additional charge of misdemeanor resisting law enforcement, all arrested were taken to the county jail. The prosecutor will view, view this case for all appropriate charges. All right, so y- you get the story. Now, of course, the TV media, the TV stations have picked it up, the local newspapers picked it up, and this was all on Facebook, and you have some of the participants talking about how just outrageous they thought it was that they were, you know, arrested for engaging in this behavior and there's different Facebook videos about where some of the protesters are kind of in the face of the state trooper saying hey we're used to having this happen because of our race and at one point in time one of the guys is saying to the state trooper I, I can see how angry you are I, I can see your lip quivering etc etc all that type of stuff our number 855-616-1620 that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line of course these people should have been arrested I have no problem with engaging in a march. I have no problem with engaging in legitimate protest. But you can't, you can't walk down the side of a U.S. highway, obstruct traffic. You can't have cars driving five miles an hour in the right lane of traffic and back traffic up for seven miles. And if the police ask you to stop doing that and give you the option of, okay, here, we're going to let you go. We'll even let your caravan follow you on the side of the road, which my guess is don't try to do that at home. But they were trying to accommodate them, and you refused to do it. Of course you are going to be arrested. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I'm, I'm sorry, you are not victims. You are people that are violating the law. I don't care what your intentions are. Yeah, you, you, you can't be allowed to do that. And I think the police were well within their rights. And candidly, these different videos of this that I'm looking at, I think the police showed admirable restraint in trying to explain, give people chances to correct the behavior. And to the extent people were arrested, it was only as a last resort I'm sorry, these marchers were not the victims here. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. At least that's what I think. What do you think? We discuss in just a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 
855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's get started with text before we go to the calls. Jeff, absolutely they should have been arrested. After multiple times of being asked nicely and still being able to illegally walk down the emergency lane, they should have complied. But of course not. They still created a seven-mile backup. Keep them locked up. Well, I mean, they've been released, but yes, they they clearly should have been arrested. Jeff, the police tried to accommodate them, but obviously their time is more important than everyone else's. They got what they deserved. Well, absolutely. This is, it's not about your right to march. It's not about your right to protest. It's all about the right that you, you can't drive you cannot create a traffic risk and a hazard for other people by driving five miles an hour in or 10 miles an hour or whatever it would be. They say walking speed, you know, in the right lane of a two lane road where the speed U.S. highway where the speed limit is 60 miles an hour. You, you know, it's, it's not just the idea that we're going to inconvenience people for, for seven miles. It's the risk that it presents as people have to try to swing over in the lanes to pass. I mean, it's really it's a miracle that that some collision didn't occur and somebody wasn't hurt i'm sorry if you want to watch walk to washington dc go with god no problem about it but you can't do it in such a fashion that you decide that you are going to disrupt all sorts of other people and at least if you decide to do that you got to recognize that regardless of your race you're, you're going to be when you ignore police requests to comply with the law you're going to be arrested and i'm sorry i'm not sympathetic about it raymond in milwaukee raymond you're on wtmj Hello. Hi, Raymond. Hi. What do you think? I think they got what they deserved. I'm happy that I didn't get held up by them. I'm up and down Highway 30 a few times a week. I'm a truck driver. I usually travel on 30 from Valparaiso down to Shurerville. And uh, Saturday morning, there was about 6 o'clock in the morning on my route, there was a couple cars that had stopped in the middle of the road, like blocking traffic. And I just kind of went around them. I'm glad that I didn't get there any later because I might have been pretty frustrated at the situation of them being in my way. Right. Now, now this is, I mean, I, I've only seen the pictures of it, but it, it's, I mean, your, your speed limit is 60 miles an hour, right? So you got you got cars and you got trucks. It's a relatively main thoroughfare. So you've got cars and trucks that are moving at a pretty good rate of speed, right? Correct. Yeah, I mean, most of the way that the route that I travel is, uh, 55 is the highest, but 60 might be on a different point of uh, U.S. 30 there. Right. But regardless, whether it's 55 or 60, you're, you're driving your truck. You don't all of a sudden expect to come upon, I don't know, cars that are moving five miles an hour in the right lane of traffic, right? No, 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 definitely not. I have a few kids that, you know, I like to come home to and spend time with on a weekend. And if they would have taken hours out of my time away from my children, that would have Definitely right. got me in a frustrated position, and yeah, n- who not, knows what would have happened. Right, well, th- thanks to call, Raymond. N- not to mention putting your life at risk, not to mention putting the risk of other people's lives at, at risk. Now, one of the excuses that's coming out is some of the protesters are saying, well, you know, we when we were... You know, when we were walking down the road, we had people that were driving past and they were they were waving guns at us. Okay, well, first of all, color me skeptical of that. But, you know, you've got everybody's got cell phones. If that was, in fact, the case, if you had people that were swerving and trying to hit the protesters or whatever, you you, everybody's got cell phones, cameras, you know, film it. All right. Get the license plates. You know, prosecute those people. You know, here we've got this person on film and look, somebody drove by and they pointed a gun at us. Now, again, am I saying that? 
that did or didn't happen, I don't know. A little bit skeptical, but you would think that there there's cell phone video for everything else. You'd think that you would have that. But regardless, you can't, you, you cannot simply be allowed to do this. And then this idea that, well, this is legitimate protest and how dare the police arrest us. Give me a break. Uh, I mean, just give me a break. Uh, you, you don't. You you can't get away with that. And if you decide that you're going to do it after the police and everything I've seen on these videos actually even put out by the group, I'm watching this and I'm seeing that the state police exercising what I think is incredible restraint. They're explaining what the problem is. They're explaining that you cannot do this. They ask them on multiple occasions to stop, and the group decides, well, we don't have to obey the rules. We don't have to obey the laws. We don't care if we inconvenience all these people. We don't care if we provide a safety hazard for people. We're just going to do it. Well, all all right, you, you get to do it, and then the police come in and they get to do what they should do, which is to arrest you for doing it. Now, I do understand, and this is one of the points I made in one of my tweets about this last night, I do understand if you're coming from Milwaukee, where for the last several months around here, the the attitude has kind of been like the attitude in Wauwatosa, which is, all right, just go do whatever you want, you know, disrupt traffic, go through Mayfair Mall, shut that down, we're not going to get involved, shut down local restaurants, we're not going to get involved. So I do understand, perhaps if you're coming from this area, where in, in general, because of political pressure from mayors, common councils, etc., that the police have really been kind of forced to stand down, I understand that maybe you're surprised when the state patrol pulls up, tells you you can't do something, and then... When you continue to do it, they they go ahead and make arrests. My point would be, rather than Indiana being wrong and saying we're going to follow and insist the law is followed, maybe maybe there's a lesson here for, say, the mayor of Milwaukee, say, members of the Common Council of Milwaukee, say, maybe members of the Fire and Police Commission, maybe the Wauwatosa mayor, maybe some people on the Wauwatosa Common Council, that, that maybe the answer, if you want to try to get some control over your community, is to follow the example of the Indiana of state patroopers, which is to confront the protesters, be polite, be responsible, explain to them what they are allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do, and when they just decide to ignore your instructions and continue to violate the law, that's when you put the bracelets on. Makes sense to me. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. You, you do seriously wonder whether at least certain aspects of this, this so-called protest movement have, have jumped the shark and whether people who have legitimate sympathies for some of the issues being raised by the various you know, social justice protests are, are just now turned off by the direction that things have taken, whether it's people who feel entitled to. I don't know, block heavy black lanes, block lanes of traffic, you know, in a 60 mile an hour speed limit zone and drive five miles an hour and then say, oh, this is terrible that we were arrested. Whether it's like a couple days ago where you had leaders of the Black Lives Matter Chicago area who came out and, and defended the looting that went on over the weekend saying oh we're we're not going to criticize people for doing this this is this is just a form of reparations and and all the stores that got vandalized and all these stores that were ripped off for the second time or third time in in about two months don't that that's they're insured it's no big deal 
you know that that's that's now where this has come come to. And again, I think there's a lot of people who might be sympathetic to some of the the things that this movement is trying to call attention to, but are now saying we don't want to be a part. We don't want to be a, a member of this club if the idea is that you think it's okay to go out and and loot all under the idea that well, okay, so what? You know, there there's insurance. Well, you know, tell that to the individual businessmen who are still trying to get over some of the looting that went on in Chicago months ago. And, and by the way, interesting story in USA Today. You know, the the looting and the destruction that happened last weekend in, in Chicago, it, it wasn't just confined to stores. Here's the story. Ronald McDonald House. And the Ronald McDonald House is its part of the charity thing. For people who don't know, if you have a sick child, and let's say you need to go to Chicago um, for because your child needs medical treatment, the Ronald McDonald House offers free lodging for the families. I mean, that, that's what this all does. Ronald McDonald House near Children's Hospital damaged during recent Chicago looting. A Ronald McDonald House charity location was among the buildings damaged during looting earlier this week in Chicago, the charity says. The Ronald McDonald House near Lurie Children's Hospital, um, which offers sanctuary for families and children who are at the hospital, had its windows and front door smashed overnight Monday. We're concerned there was a lot of activity in front of the house. People making choices that put them at risk, put our families at risk. The staff was frightened. We had to go on lockdown. Apparently, 30 families staying at the house at the time. People used hammers to break glass on the front door of the building, threw rocks, etc., etc. Okay, this is how this is how you win supporters to your cause. You decide that we're not just going to go and loot buildings and steal everything we possibly can, but we're going to go to a Ronald McDonald house and we're going to terrorize the families that are staying there and we're going to break the windows. Okay, and you wonder why people like me say at least certain aspects of this movement have jumped the shark. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The 2020 Wisconsin State Fair might be canceled, but that doesn't mean we can't commemorate what might have been. Tune into Wisconsin's Morning News as they relive the sights and sounds that make the State Fair what it is. You'll also have a chance to win tickets for next year's event. It's the Wisconsin State Fair Necessities from WTMJ. All right, there was there was a caller on, on yesterday's show that, that, that made a point that candidly has been bothering me for the last 24 hours. And it was interesting because when I was thinking about it last night, I was doing a little bit of research. I, I see that the, the caller was making the point that I, I'm seeing other people make. And I just it, it's one of these things where I just kind of I, I sort of shake my head and say, really, do, do people really feel that way? Want to go back to last Saturday night? We, we've we've talked on multiple occasions about just the, the anarchy that has been allowed to go on in Wauwatosa. Again, everybody knows the story by now. You've had a p- particular police officer who happens to be black. And I mention that only because, you know, we, we look at everything through racial, a racial prism now. That's, so that's not a factor. It's a black police officer. His name is Joseph Mensah. He is, as we've said, he's been involved in three shootings while on duty in the last five years. The first two were fully investigated by the state and or the feds, and he's, he's been cleared in, in 
all of in those first two. One involved a situation where he and his partner were attacked with a man wearing with a sword. Second one was a situation where he came upon somebody in late at night who was parked in one of the Wauwatosa parks, had a loaded handgun on the seat and apparently reached for the handgun. So those are the two shootings. They've been investigated, no problem. And it's found that there's a justifiable shooting. The third incident occurred February at Mayfair Mall, there was a, a melee, I'll use that word, <laughs> a melee at Mayfair Mall, like there is all too often, security called police, the police came on the scene, situation where a 17-year-old, this is the police version, with a stolen handgun was fleeing, turned and fired a shot at the officers, including Officer Mensa. He returned fire, hit and killed the 17-year-old. The family of the 17-year-old says this did not happen. He did not have a stolen gun. He didn't have a gun. He didn't shoot, etc. The Wauwatosa police are, are very are very confident in the statements they're making that the facts are going to come back and they're going to clear Officer Mensa. Nevertheless, he has been the target of a, a small but extremely vocal mob of people in, in Wauwatosa. And we're talking 50 to 60 who have used this incident as an opportunity to, on multiple occasions, without any consequences at all, be allowed to close down Mayfair Mall on multiple occasions, be allowed to close down uh, the Cheesecake Factory through a series of protests and, and they've been allowed to get away with this so to which would be a surprise to no one because they've been allowed to get away with this and because they have had the um i think in some respects support encouragement from members of the common council shame on those people and the, the mayor is kind of sat by and, and watched all this this go by what you've seen is the conduct has become increasingly increasingly aggressive to the point that last Saturday evening you have a a group of of people including some organizers from Milwaukee that decide we're going to go to the Target store over in Brookfield we're going to buy a whole bunch of toilet paper we're going to put this out on Facebook we're going to descend on the it's actually the the girlfriend's house of Officer Mensa and and we're we're going to again. We're going to st- we're going to vandalize the home. That that's what was going on. That that's it. Now, you you would think that, like I say, most people outgrow the idea of throwing toilet paper and stuff like that on houses um, by the time they're like about a junior in high school. But but not this group. And this group, with some of these leaders of the protest and uh, accompanied apparently by a state representative, just absolutely mind-boggling to me they go over to the home i've seen some of the videos of this and it's just it's completely and totally out of control you've got this mob that's yelling it's screaming they're throwing things apparently at least one member of the mob maybe more are armed somebody's got a shotgun etc so okay so the officer officer mensa is there there are people that are trespassing on his property they're throwing the toilet paper they're doing the sill the silly string they're throwing other stuff and and he apparently go, goes out to confront the the, the the mob, at which point in time they attack him. And then I think everybody knows the story. Somebody pulls out the shotgun, fires a shotgun blast through the back door. The rumor, and I say it is only a rumor, is that somebody has been arrested in connection with that. Uh, Wauwatosa police ha- haven't made that public yet. But I, I think if somebody hasn't been arrested, they say they know who did it and I suspect an arrest probably will be imminent. Okay, so that's that. That's the story, and it seems to me it's pretty cut and dried. And you would think that most reasonable people would understand and agree that okay, this is going way too far. 
that that going out to individual residences in in residential neighborhoods and behaving like a bunch of out of control goons you know crosses crosses the line but of course i understand why this group is emboldened to do this because in Wauwatosa they they pretty much allowed them to do whatever they've wanted up until now well here's the the aspect of the story that i find interesting and um it, it the state representative his name is david bowen he was on tv talking about this and and he he's concocted this story about, well, I didn't exactly see it, but I, I, I think what really happened is Officer Mensa went out, went up to the guy that had the loaded shotgun, Mensa took off the the, the safety and, and pulled the trigger himself, all right, which, of course, makes makes no sense. But but the one of our callers to the program yesterday, as well as, I mean, some of the organizers, they have taken the position that this was the police officer's fault, that he should not have left his house and and that you have if you have or in this case i understand it's his girlfriend's house but it's where he's living it you he should not when you have 40 or 50 or 60 people that are trespassing on your property that are throwing toilet paper that are taking silly string they're throwing rocks or, or doing whatever that he should not have gone out of the house to try to get them to stop. He should have essentially stayed in the house. So it's his fault by by going out and engaging the protesters. In other words, anything, the implication is anything that happened was his fault because he, he went outside with his dog, apparently, I guess, to to deal with the protesters. So the thinking is he should have just cowered inside his house and, and not done anything, and it's kind of his fault. And anything that happened to him was was because he decided to go out of his house instead of just letting the mob run roughshod. I think that's a load of hooey. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, you've got 50 or 60 thugs that are at least people behaving in a thuggish fashion that are throwing toilet paper or vandalizing your property all right and it's your fault if you go out and you try to engage them to get them to stop and to the extent that you go out and some of the people are saying well he went out and he was angry well no kidding Okay, like you wouldn't be angry if you had 50 or 60 people that were yelling and screaming and throwing all sorts of stuff and vandalizing your place. All right. Does Officer Mensa bear any responsibility for what happened on Saturday night at all? Again, I'm not talking about the stuff that went on beforehand and the investigations. I'm just talking about this sense of entitlement that some people have that how dare the property owner, how dare the person that we are whose property we are trying to engage, uh, vandalize, would come out and engage us. And when he did, of course he gets everything he deserves. I don't buy that. 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. Alice in Janesville. Alice, good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. I I just can't. It's mind-numbing that we even have to discuss this. (laughs) But um, the fact is, is that that officer was invited to the girlfriend's private property and he has every right to be there. The 50 people who decided to vandalize the girlfriend's home, um, take a loaded weapon, throw rocks, 
yep. toilet paper. They were not invited. They had no right to be there. Now, if he wants to parade around naked, the officer can do that. He can wash the car in the driveway. It's his right to do whatever he wants. But the mob does not have that right to be there. Well, right. And so this, none and, of that is his fault. Right. And this idea that, okay, you, you've got the mob that's there. They're vandalizing the exterior of the property. They're, they're throwing the toilet paper. They're doing whatever. The idea that how dare you come out and try to engage those people, kind of like, what are you doing in my place? How dare you? And, and this implication that anything that happens after that to you is your fault because you had the audacity to try to engage the mob. It, it's a special kind of well, weird that, that people would think that way but that's what, that's exactly what the mob wants they can't wait for him to come out and engage because right. it's all going to be on video and they're going to they're going to catch him saying something naughty yes. they're going to yeah because he's because ma- he's angry or, he came out and he was angry well okay i don't exactly. know about you alice i think most people my guess is alice if you had 60 people that were yelling and screaming outside your residence on a saturday night disturbing the peace terrorizing your children inside and again vandalizing the outside you'd be a little bit upset too oh i i can't he showed great restraint as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think... I, would, I wouldn't have done the same. No, thanks for the call. I, I appreciate it. And, see, and I guess that, that, that's it. It's this idea that you should have, you should have just stayed home. And, and, he, and he, was, he was angry. But, Alice, you make a, a key point that I, I think is one of the things that we've been seeing with, with, with the turn that some of the protest movement has taken. And I say some of it. It's the idea of we want to confront the targets and we're we're there whether it's in portland or seattle or chicago or milwaukee or wauwatosa the goal is we can do what we want since we're protesters and let's try to provoke the response we're going to get in the face of officer mensa we're going to get in the face of the milwaukee police officers we're going to get in the face of the people in portland and what we're going to do is try to provoke a police response and we're all there with our cell phones and our video and then we're going to make ourselves the, the victims that's the tactic that is is being used now look i i, I don't know what was it was it the smartest thing, and I guess, was it the smartest thing to go out when you've got 50 or 60 people that are vandalizing your property and, and confront them and try to think that you can engage in a dialogue? Uh, I, I don't know. You know, reasonable people can disagree about that. But to suggest that it was his fault, oh, you should have just stayed inside and allowed them to do whatever they want vandalize your place just let it go just kind of call just don't worry about it just let it go because they're the mob and they get to do whatever they want and you are somehow at, at fault well i don't know now i just keep going back to the Wauwatosa police chief statement and what the police are saying they're saying look here's what happened he went outside he attempted to establish a dialogue with the group which was probably hey knock this off this isn't even my house ultimately physically assaulted outside his home as he retreated to his home armed protesters approached the rear door and a single shotgun round was discharged by a member of the group into the back door okay if that is in fact what happened and like i say i I think there's at least going to be somebody that's charged that that shows you you know what's going on because these these aren't peaceful protests And, and even if you think oh you know running around and throwing toilet paper and stuff that's that's not vandalism how how dare you consider that to be vandalism and even though you think trespassing might not be the, the fact that you have people taking weapons to now the private homes of citizens in a community should scare the heck 
out of people in those different communities because it shows that we've kind of turned the page and again in the effort to try to provoke responses you know now you have at least some members of this protest movement that have completely and totally gone out of control and they've been allowed to go out of control because authorities haven't done anything in in the past that this Wauwatosa group and again I'm I don't care about the peaceful protests and things like that but they've been emboldened if they would have if they would have shut them down the first time they started running through Mayfair and trying to close that down maybe this wouldn't have happened and so now you're looking at a situation where they really are trying to figure out you know what where do we go next with this well I tell you what you do you, you do what the state troopers in Indiana did yesterday with people who are you know, driving five miles an hour in the right lane of a road that's 60 miles an hour. You ask them to stop, and then when they don't stop, you start making arrests. For the life of me, I, I don't understand why the Wauwatosa police, and I think, I, again, it's partly, I think, because they've been told to, to stand down and not antagonize the mob. I don't understand why there weren't mass arrests that were made the other night. Other night. And if the concern is, okay, well, we're, this is just going to make them mad and embolden them, well, not doing anything hasn't stopped <laughs> this hasn't stopped the out of control element of the protest and i always make the distinction between saying the out of control element of the protest versus people who who want to protest having said all this i i repeat something i've been saying for a couple of weeks now to me it is absolutely unconscionable that the district attorney in Milwaukee County, John Chisholm, has not finalized his investigation. The longer this matter hangs fire, the more the more problems that you are going to have. And again, this the shooting incident that, that's provoked all this happened in February. So now February to March, April, May, June, July. We're halfway through August. You're talking about six months. And this is... This this investigation is not a complicated or complex investigation. It's not like you're subpoenaing 20 years of bank records that you have to analyze over time. I mean, there's a limited number of witnesses. My guess is the witnesses have been interviewed on multiple occasions. You've got the forensic stuff that, that's out there. I'm sure all those reports are done. If the fact that the district attorney, if he's dragging his feet because he's afraid that if they come back and they clear Officer Mensa, and again, my law enforcement sources are very, very confident that that's that this is going to be determined to be while a tragic, it's going to be determined to be a legitimate shooting. If the DA is afraid, oh, this is this is just going to make people angry. So we, we can't release our results until, I don't know, we'll wait another three or four months till it gets colder and maybe people won't be as inclined to protest. That, that issue isn't going to go away. We, we need to turn the page on this. And the sooner that investigation is complete, and let the chips fall where they may. If it turns out that they believe that Officer Mensa has committed a crime, well, then charge him. If they think they can prove it, then, then go ahead and, and charge him or clear him. And then, again, if people want to take to the streets and protest, then you then you just deal with those protests. But allowing this to go on day after day, week after week, it is not constructive. 
because there is going to be a reaction one way or the other. But the sooner you get past that, the sooner I think the community can can move on. So while I I don't support the tactics that these protesters have been using, I, I do think the district attorney does a huge disservice by dragging its feet, and in this case, John Chisholm, dragging his feet on on not completing the investigation. This matter should have been a priority from the beginning. And candidly, how it can take six months to analyze these facts and draw a conclusion, whatever that conclusion might be, is just absolutely beyond me. But nobody wins in this particular situation. But the idea that we're going to fault the victim, and in this case, from the perspective of Saturday night, the police officer, his girlfriend, her children, they were the victims. And to try to fault them, or in his case, him, for going out and engaging the people who were vandalizing that property is just through the looking glass twilight zone time live from the annex wealth management studios at historic radio city this is the jeff wagner show and now wtmj's jeff wagner good afternoon wisconsin welcome back to the show we are going to move away from the protest segment matter of fact um I'm off on Friday and Monday, so that we're going to kind of ease into what for me is going to be a, a, a longer weekend and kind of lighten up a little bit. I, I've been, I think if you're a regular listener, you know, I've been trying to, from time to time, talk about things other than COVID-19 and the mask rules and the protest stuff, just in an effort to kind of like, like split stuff up. But uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to start doing that gradually as we move to three o'clock. There, there are... See, I, I will tell you, one of the things with dealing with coronavirus is that I think sometimes health officials by or, or bureaucrats, they end up undermining the cause by coming out with, with dumb rules that, that people just look at and say, you know, this is just virtue signaling. It does nothing. You know, there was an example of that earlier this week, and I sent out a tweet on it. We talked about it, where the, the head of the DNR tells all the DNR employees, when you are on Zoom meetings, so you're you're on the Internet and you're communicating with, with people outside the office, we want you to wear masks. Okay, so you're, you're in your own home, at your kitchen table, by yourself, you wear a mask. Well, that, that serves no purpose at all. And candidly, I, I think, you know, makes makes people just think, okay, the, the government's out of control and the, the bureaucrats are out of control because they're coming out with these rules just for the sake of making rules, even if it doesn't accomplish anything. So, you know, we discussed that. Matter of fact, if you want a link to that story, you can follow me on Jeff Wag- at Jeff Wagner 620 and there's a, I, I've got a link to that story. Wait, well, here's, here is an, another one. Um, New York City, apparently the, the recommendation that came out today, New York's top public health officials are saying to residents of New York City, we want you to get tested for coronavirus once a month. Okay, once a month. It doesn't matter whether you have symptoms or not. We, we'd like you to get tested once once a month. And they say that, well, we, we know this infection can be spread by people who don't have symptoms, so get tested once a month. Now, of course, the problem with that is that, you know, you, you can be tested on a Tuesday, you know, come back clear, and, and then catch it on, on Wednesday. So waiting a month isn't going to make any difference. The other problem with this is that there, there there's a shortage of testing. 
And, and if you don't prioritize that, if you don't, you know, for, for everybody that's perfectly healthy, that, that's getting one of, of the tests and you're getting it every month to confirm that you're still healthy. Okay. You're, you're taking a spot or you're potentially delaying the, the testing of people who have symptoms or people who've been exposed. And, and given that there still is a limited amount of testing and resources and stuff, I, I think most experts are saying, okay, what, what New York, at least what some of the New York officials are saying doesn't make any sense. If you've got symptoms, Yes, you, you should get yourself tested, of course. If you think you've been exposed to someone who, who has coronavirus, yeah, I mean, get, get tested because there's a basis for it. But just to say, hey, I'm, I'm going to make it on a regular basis every Tuesday, the first Tuesday in the month, I'm going to go in and get tested. Most experts are saying it, it just it doesn't make any sense to do that. And what you're doing is you're just going through all this stuff that in all likelihood is unnecessary and you're taking resources away. But it, it makes you feel good to come out and say, okay, let's get everybody tested. Well, okay, we, we don't have those resources yet that allow you to test everybody. But that's what they're saying in New York and experts are going, man, the people that are saying that just don't know what they're talking about. All right. Which brings me to a decision that each of us is going to have to make over the course of the next couple months. I don't know if there is going to be an approved vaccine for for COVID-19 over the course of the next couple months. The sooner they get it, the better. The sooner that gets into mass production, the better. I've just now become convinced that we're not going to get back to normal until we're able to develop a vaccine. So again, the, the sooner, the better. And if you look at all the experts, one of the things that they're saying is that th- this fall is going to be ugly among a good portion of the country when, you know, people who've been essentially able to have been outside, like those of us who live in Wisconsin, we've been able to be outside in the summer. Well, we're going to be driven back indoors during the, the winter, the late fall and the winter and the early spring. So the concern is. COVID-19 is still going to be with us, and people are still going to be getting sick from that. The other concern that they have is that that is going to correspond with the normal outbreak of the, the cold and the flu season. So the worry is that with all that's going on with COVID right now, then you add into all the people that end up coming down with some form of influenza, you do have a, a real chance that hospitals, doctors' offices, ERs, walk-in clinics, the whole gamut of things are are going to be overwhelmed, not necessarily with COVID-19 patients, but the regular patients, COVID-19 patients, and then you add in people who have the flu. All right, so here is the issue and the decision. This year especially, should we all get flu shots? Now, I, I know in our number, 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line, I get a flu shot every year. I, I do not, doesn't always stop me from getting the flu, but I get a flu shot every year. I've never had an adverse reaction to it. It's just something that I do routinely. Um, this year, I got a flu shot and I got the flu, but there's no question in my mind that it was a much milder version that I might have gotten if I hadn't had the flu shot. So I'm going to get a flu shot because... I don't want I don't want to get coronavirus, don't want to get COVID-19, but I don't want to get the flu. And I guess I I'm especially don't want to get the flu this year. 
So authorities are saying, even for people who were reluctant to get the flu shot in the past, this year, more than ever, unless you've got some overriding health reason not to get it, you should get it. Okay, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, as soon as soon as it's available, I, I mean, typically my I get my regular annual physical in early October. I think that's when I'm slated to do it. When I get my physical, I'm going to get the flu shot. You're going to get the flu shot this year. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And especially this year. If not, why not? We discuss in just a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, here are here are the numbers. They, they estimate that just under half of Americans, just slightly less than 50%, get the flu shot annually. Uh, about 62% of kids get one. The estimates are that... Um, Patients could have avoided the worst cases or at least limited the severity by getting a flu shot. Recent studies show the vaccine reduces the risk of illness by between 40 and 60 percent, according to the CDC. OK, it's it's not a magic bullet. It doesn't guarantee you're not going to get the flu. Like like I say, um, late January, early February, I, 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 I had the flu. I, I had I got the test. I, I had the flu, but it, it was nowhere near as bad as other examples over my lifetime where I've had the flu. But I think part of it was because I had the flu shot. At least that's what I, I believe. I, I felt bad for a day and then started getting getting better. But this year, especially what the health experts are saying is because we presume in the fall that you're still going to have all the cases of COVID that are out there, which are people going to the doctor's office and going to the ERs and going to the walk-in clinics, that if you don't want the health system to be overwhelmed, we all have the responsibility to do whatever we can to try to protect ourselves. And one of those things is getting the flu shot. So I'm going to get the flu shot again, certainly before the fall season. Are you going to? 855-616-1620. John in Oshkosh. John, you're on WTMJ. Hi, uh, I uh, I get the flu shot every year. I can't think of how long I've been getting it, but I'm 73 now. I had the Hong Kong flu in 1967. It absolutely floored me. And uh, yeah, I understand that the percentages aren't 100%, but hey, you know, it's, it's definitely a hedge. And uh, there's one thing uh, that I'd like to say, is that uh, I have friends. <laughs> one one friend of mine says uh, uh, he doesn't get the flu shot because he got the flu after he got the shot. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just all malarkey. He's afraid of needles. He's a wimp. But, uh, <laughs> well, it, well, it's just, again, it's, anyway, I mean, you know, I mean, I guess I, I mean, thanks for culture. I mean, I get, I just, I guess I, I look at this and I, I, I understand, by the way, that there's some people that because of allergies or something, it's, it's not a good idea. For me, all right, I don't, I've never, I've gotten the flu shot religiously for quite a while now. Um, does it always work? No. But do I believe in it? Yes. Have I ever had an adverse reaction from it? The answer is no. So my doctor says you should get it. Okay, so I, I, I end up getting it. But I guess my point is, you know, this year in particular, given the fact that we, we really do want to try to do everything we can especially while we're dealing with with the COVID pandemic, 
we want to do everything we can to stop hospitals, emergency rooms, walk-in clinics, and doctor's offices from being overwhelmed. And I do think it is a legitimate concern. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not debating right now whether COVID is worse than the flu or better than the flu. I'm just saying that if people get sick, they're, they're heading into the hospitals. They're heading into the doctor's offices. That's what they're doing. And we, we always have a spike in that when the flu season rolls around. If you can minimize that, what, why wouldn't you do it? 855-616-1620. Let's talk to Karen. Karen, you're on WTMJ. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Hi, Karen. Yes, I'm getting the flu shot. I, I do every year, even though I have friends who make fun of me because, oh, it's, you know, you don't need the flu shot. Um, I The one year I did not get it, I work in an office where I've got a lot of the public coming in. and I, right. I interact with the public in a lot of ways. It was the most miserable, like, two weeks of my life. I I literally had to take a week off of work at least. Um, Every bone in my body hurt. I couldn't, you know, the respiratory part of it was absolutely miserable. After that, I have not missed one. And also, I've got, in in my, uh, my other factors, is I've got elderly relatives that are depending upon me. There's certain things that I have to do to take care of them. I've got to be at my utmost best all the time. Right. Well, I guess, I I mean, and I'm going to share some emails that have a contrary position to you and me and a text in just a minute, Karen. But I guess I I don't, I'm still not, I'm still wrestling with what is, what is the downside. Now, again, there's a very, very small, extremely small patient population that might have an adverse reaction. But, but in general, that, that's not the case. You, unless you fit into that very, very small reaction, patient class, why wouldn't you get it just to give yourself the, the, to, to give yourself at least that extra level of protection, I guess. Well, and I see it like you do as, as a fighting chance. It, it's, um, I know I had a friend similar to you who got the flu shot, still got the flu, but her doctor told her it was a lot less, less version of it than had she not had the shot at all. You know, it, it protected yeah. her to that point type of thing. And like you said, I... In today's age where, I mean, you know, i got to be blunt. I've had people wipe their nose and offer me their hand sometimes. You've got to protect yourself, you know? Yeah. Well, right. You've got to protect yourself. Well, exactly. Right. Thanks. Well, especially, again, especially this is a different year from from other years because you you know that i mean right now i mean we for goodness sakes you know we had we had hospitals that essentially had shut down people who needed hip replacements weren't getting hip replacements some people who needed cancer treatment were delaying their cancer treatment people all around were delaying so-called quote unquote elective surgeries many of which well it, maybe you classify them as elect as as um elective but they're they're, they're not elective if if you're the one that's waiting Waiting for that hip replacement, or you're the one that that's waiting to have you know your gallbladder taken out, or or whatever. And and I don't want to see that happen again. And, and I guess to me, and I understand that there's some people who just don't believe in this, but to me, if especially this year, anything that we can do to minimize the opportunity to minimize the our exposure to again a disease that might you know send us to the emergency room or send us to the doctor you always want to do that but it, but especially especially this year i mean don't don't we want to do it and again i like i say i i get that it doesn't always work i i'd be the first to admit it although i i do firmly believe like i said just a minute ago i, I got it this year i know because i got the test and it came back yeah you got influenza a but but i i was sick for a day 
And then I started getting better as opposed to being sick for a week. And my, my symptoms were nowhere near as bad as they've been when, when I've had the flu over the years. So, I mean, I attribute part of that to uh, the flu vaccine. Let's talk to Jim and Slinger. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, absolutely, 100%. Uh, I typically never got the flu shot before. Uh, my wife actually was a, a, a nagger on it. And right. Really drove home the fact, like, hey, you gotta get it. So I finally went and got it done. But especially this year, uh, I've actually had friends that uh, contracted COVID, uh, a coworker. The symptoms are no joke. Uh, they were in their 20s and 30s. And especially my good friend that's in Appleton, he was down for almost seven days. Literally could not move a muscle. So if it's going to help in any way, shape, or form, do it. it it's right. common sense. Well, you, you would right, you you would think again unless you talk to your doctor and you unless you have a history of adverse reactions you talk to your doctor and your doctor says hey I, I don't think this is for you but that's not that's not the most people and and again to your point this isn't going to stop COVID but at the same time if if I mean the last thing hospitals emergency rooms etc need is a particularly nasty flu season on top of all the other crap that's going on it's just we especially this year maybe we should all get together and just say okay let's try to get through this and then let's figure it out yeah no, hey, amen, no, amen. Th- th- thanks for call let's talk to uh, jeremy in milwaukee you. jeremy you're on wtmj yeah thanks for taking my call hi um reason why i'm going to get the flu shot this year and i've never done it before is that um if you think about it you can get the normal strand of flu and you can get covid at yep. the same time and i think that would be a nail in a coffin if you didn't take you know if you, if you were to get both at the same time yeah. I, I, well, well, exactly. I mean, again, especially if you are in, in one of those like higher risk categories. No, thanks. I'm, I, want, I want to share a couple of the, the texts I'm getting to give you an idea. I mean, because this I, uh, Jeff, the flu shot must come with all that Kool-Aid you're drinking. Stop scaring people. Well, I, I, I don't know. Is it scaring people to say, OK, you you reduce the chances that you're going to get the flu if you get a flu shot? I, I don't know. For some people, that might be being scared. For other people, it might be. It's just it's just kind of common sense, sort of like saying, hey, wear your seatbelt, because if you're in a nasty automobile crash, your chance of walking away are a little bit better with that. Um, Jeff, what people don't understand is the flu shot is for certain flus. It is not for all flus. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. They, they try to it's not a guarantee that you're not going to get sick and nobody says that it's a guarantee that you're not going to get sick my only point is this year especially don't we want to do everything we possibly can to protect ourselves jeff i got the flu um it's free i got the flu shot it's free at work it helps i got sick in february kind of like you did but i was better in two days other it were others at work were out for a week or or more yeah, who knows? Jeff, I got a flu shot once in my life. I'm 31. The one and only time I got the flu uh, was the year I got the flu shot. Um, I was in the hospital for two days. I'm never going to get it again. Um, Jeff, I'm 43. I've never gotten a flu shot. Why would I change that now? I feel like there's a heap of unwarranted fear out there. But again, the purpose of this isn't to scare anybody. It's to try to have this conversation about... And until we get a vaccine for COVID-19, until COVID-19, if not goes away, until we, we don't have to look at headlines on a daily basis of 900 people testing positive or X number of people dying. And again, I, I don't want to go into whether that's over-dramatized or not. Don't we have an obligation to do everything we can to try to keep ourselves as healthy as possible? And if that means getting a flu shot, all right, you can have my arm. Give it to me in the left one. This is Jeff Wagner. 
Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Well, did you see this? Oh, by the way, if you want to, if you want to see the story we were just talking about, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. It's um, again in the caveat of another just example of how you can't fix stupid. And and I, I, I understand publicity stunts. I understand pranks, but um, especially with what's going on in the world now, to. Not tell the fire department that this is a publicity stunt to have yourself duct taped on a giant billboard and then have to be rescued. Uh, at, at the very least, you should have to reimburse the, the local fire department the cost of the rescue. But uh, if you want to see that story, again, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Wagner 620. You, you wonder at what point in time you, you just have to bag it. The, the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, have have not played a baseball game in what o- over I think over a week now um, they, because they, they they had an outbreak of, of COVID nineteen remember they were supposed to play in Milwaukee you know those date games didn't occur and then their their series against Pittsburgh was put off um, they were supposed to play I guess tomorrow. And now the game against the White Sox has been canceled because yet another this time a coach tested positive for COVID. So here, I mean here here here's the deal. They're um they're they're hoping to start playing on on Saturday, but as of as of Saturday, the season will have 44 days remaining. The Cardinals have 55 games to play. Just think about that. You've got to play 55 games in 44 days. Um, so at, at what point in time do you just say we, we can't do it, it, that it's not going to work, and that at least for St. Louis, we're going to shut it down? I, I mean, as opposed to then going to all these other teams and saying, okay, well, we're going to expect you guys to, to play double headers in, in this effort to, to try to keep this up. And, of course, that's 44, 55 games in 54, 44 days, and, and that's – that's assuming that they're able to start playing on Saturday. That's assuming that there's no other outbreaks that cause them to shut it down. And that's assuming that you don't run into, oh, I don't know, these things that you have during the, the summer, like rainouts and stuff like that. It's just, at least for St. Louis, you wonder at what point in time do you just say, this just, it's just flat out not going to be able to happen. All right. I understand this is a political story. And I don't necessarily want to talk about the politics of it. I want to talk about the concept of it. I hate the low flow shower heads. I just, I just, I just do. Now, back in, going back to 1992, the the feds decided that new shower heads shouldn't pour more than 2.5 gallons of water per minute. Um, So, all newer shower heads came out with multiple nozzles and what they said was that the shower head let's say let's say you've got like four nozzles in the shower head well each nozzle can't produce 2.5 gallons of water that the total has to be 2.5 gallons so if you've got four you know do, do the math if you've got you know like four nozzles in your shower head each one is like 0.6 gallons a, a minute all right, so that's that's been the way that the government ha- has operated. And, oh, I hate to say this, but I, I know people. I have been at their homes. 
Not their Wisconsin homes. I have not showered at their Wisconsin homes, but I have friends who have homes in other states. And one particular good set of friends of mine, they have done something to the shower heads at their home that is not in Wisconsin. And obviously they've taken out whatever regulator is because it's the best darn shower in the world. You, you, I mean, it would be worth, I'm not even going to tell the state these people live in because I, I don't want to give it up, but you go to their house, you stay overnight, you take a shower. It is a thing of beauty because this shower, it's, it's just pouring water on you. It is just absolutely outstanding because I know what they did is they, they had somebody monkey around with the shower heads and probably take out whatever regulator the things are. So this is, I mean, it's like being in a full-service car wash, but it is just absolutely great. All right, so so President Trump, and again, I, I want to try, to, I don't want to talk about the politics of this, but President Trump, with everything else that's going on, you know, he, he's come out and said, look, I, I, I want to change these rules. I want to... I want to change the rules. I want to allow each nozzle to spray as much as 2.5 gallons, not just the overall shower head. So, you know, you'd be able to get a lot more water and a lot more pressure during during your shower if you were able to do it. And this has been something that to his, you know, that, that President Trump has, has talked about for a long time. Now, I don't want to go into the politics of this. I don't want to discuss whether or not, as we deal with all the other issues we're dealing with, um, from a political perspective, the president should be talking about shower heads or not. Okay, I, I don't want to. So let's take let's take President Trump out of this. Let's talk about the fundamental issue. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I would love to see federal regulations rolled back to give consumers the option of being able to get more water out of their shower heads. Because I will tell you. With the possible exception of low flush toilets, there's nothing that drives me crazier than having one of these sort of puny shower heads that's not producing enough water. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, Wisconsin, are you, are you with me on this? Would you like to have showers that, that produce more water? And, and by the way, I, I'm not saying that everybody should have to have them. If, if you're just fine with the current standard, if you're saying, hey, I don't, I don't mind this at all. It's great. I want to save water. I don't like to have the water bills. I, that's fine with me, too. I mean, I don't have a problem with that. But shouldn't you perhaps have the option that if you want to have one of these great high-pressure showers, you're able to do it? 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Where do you sign up? Back to discuss in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Okay, we have touched a nerve with this. I understand it's not the most significant issue in the world, but okay, the president railing about the, the low pressure the, the, with all the regulators on the shower heads, he wants, to, he wants to change the rules to allow us to get a lot more water in our showers. Again, I, I, I'm with him on this one. I, I'm with him. I would love... Love, love, love to at least be able to go back to when I was a kid, really get in one of those showers and, and just have it blast you. Jeff, I have a newer home in Florida. We moved from our older Wisconsin house recently. I called the local water department and asked about my water pressure. They said it was within specs. I YouTubed low pressure. I took off my shower head and removed the restrictor device. Man, it's like a presser washer now. Um, yeah, um, there you go. Uh, let's see. Um, 
uh, okay, then people are saying, well, we've got a water shortage, so we, you know, we, we should be saving the water. But then here's the question, too. Are, are you actually saving water? For example, low flush toilets. If, if you've got one of those, like, extreme low flush toilets, and they've gotten better since when they first rolled out, and you end up having to flush the thing three times, are you really saving that much water? I just throw that out there. If you got the high pressure shower, for example, to help, you know, rinse your hair and it does it quicker. All right. At the end of the day, is it maybe better if you can, again, you only need to be under the shower head for 30 seconds as opposed to a minute and 15 to get the soap out of your hair? I just raised that question. Let's start with Jim in Hales Corners. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Uh, Trump really cracks me up. I think he's, it's hilarious when he starts to rail about this or, yeah. uh, dishwashers or whatever. I mean, it's, it's, it's just funnier than heck. But I have to confess, I do the same thing that other people do. I go in with a Dremel tool and I take out the flow restrictor. Look, uh, Lake Michigan is like how many feet above normal? Right, yeah. <laughs> and we live on Lake Michigan. If you're talking about Arizona, fine, but not here. And the other thing is I make up for it because after, uh, you know, ripping my hair out with the high-pressure hose I've got for a shower head and uh, I'm doing my face, I turn it off and I soap up completely with the water off and then I turn it back on and rinse off. So right. I'm actually not totally evil. Okay, but you, so you, you've done, I see, I have not done that, but you, you've done it, gone in and you've taken out that restrictor. So it's just, you know, you, you, can, you can get more more power, huh? Oh, absolutely. The more power, the better. And when we go on a vacation and we go to a hotel or we go to VRBO, one of the first things we do is check out the water pressure and we go, <laughs> yeah. oh. Oh, it stinks. Oh, well, no, it's great. I, well, I mean, it's funny. Thanks for calling. I mean, it's funny you say that because when, when I, I go in, into different hotels, there are uh, there are a good shower can overcome a lot of deficiencies. At least that's I mean, if it's a good shower that you're again, you're you're not going to be like kind of standing under going, OK, I, I've just washed my hair. I got to I got to stand under here and just really work on this for a couple minutes to get the soap out of my hair. And my hair is not that long. I can't imagine what people have, have long hair. It's just a good shower. It's like, oh, my gosh, that's that's so great. Let's talk to Gary. Gary, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Gary. Oh, Dave in Madison. He listens to you all the time. Okay, but, great. You know, we're a society. Yes, I would love for you to have a great shower, Jeff. But there's a lot of places where the reason they put the restrictions are because we don't have enough water. Not everybody is blessed to live in the Great Lakes region where you're right. It doesn't matter that much. But on a national scale, it does matter in I mean, I got to be honest. I never flushed the toilet more than once most mornings, maybe two. I don't know where you guys are buying your toilet at, but come on. Well, I think Gary. Now that I will, I mean, like I say, I will. Now you got to you understand. I you're talking to somebody who, for a long time, lived in an in an older house, like a hundred year old house with like really old piping and stuff. And, and, and yeah, I mean, it was, it was kind of a concept where I live now. It's, it's, it's no problem at all. And the low flush toilets, and I don't want to get, I don't want to get sidetracked on this, but the low flush toilets that they have now are much better than the low flush toilets that they first rolled up on, on that. But again, the, the overall point is, 
in some respects, I wonder if this is virtue signaling. And I understand places where there's water shortages and stuff, but but still, let's say you're in Arizona where there's a water shortage, and you know there's not a restriction on how long you're going to take the shower. So if because the flow is limited, you you end up being in the shower three times as long as you would be if you could get some decent water pressure. I, I wonder how much you're saving at, at the end of the day. And I just, I mean, again, I I throw that. That that out there. Um, let's see, Jeff. It depends on where you live. In Milwaukee, most water we use goes back into Lake Michigan from where we got it. Whereas many others area of the country, water comes from underground sources. It doesn't get replenished for years. So how much consumed is important? Which which again, I, I get it. I understand that, but. Are you really saving stuff? Um, Jeff, I travel for work. I carry my own shower head in my luggage with me. Huh. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> now that, that's, I don't know. Maybe if I, if I traveled a lot, I might consider something like that. Jeff, I too have removed the restrictor from my home shower head. I've also been known to remove them from the shower heads in hotels, replacing them before I check out. I'm with you. I like a high pressure shower um yeah jeff trump speaks to the boomer generation the boomer generation used to yell at me every five minutes for 20 years to turn off the lights to save gas and to close the door um all right again not not the biggest story in in the world and i i doubt i take no position at all on the president's efforts to try to reclassify it so you can get 10 gallons of of water per minute out of a four nozzle shower head as opposed to 2.5 take no position on on the merits or the wisdom of that other than to say on a purely personal level i'm with president trump on this and i always look forward to visiting my friends who live out of state because i i know when i'm going to their house i'm telling you it's the best darn shower in the world Back with more in just a couple minutes. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Okay, should we antagonize people at the start of the hour before moving to lighter stuff? What do you, a Gru is shaking his head. Go, go, go ahead. Just, just, just do that, why Jeff. Why not? Why, well, why not is because, oh, all right. I, I'm really not an anti-mask guy. I, I'm not, and and I I carry. I have two masks in my pocket, and you know when I go inside to places, I mean I follow the rules. I I just I think you know I I do rebel against some of the stuff that I, I think is not necessarily driven by science or doesn't make sense. Like for example, you know wearing the masks outdoors on the off chance that you might pass somebody. I doesn't make any sense to me, but uh, that that's okay. That's the rule in in Milwaukee. I I get it. I do, and I have been discussing this with people. Look, I I want us to get past COVID-19. Trust me when I say there is nobody that wants normal more than me. And I I fully acknowledge that I'm one of the people kind of suffering from, as somebody who has to talk about this on a daily basis, suffering from like like coronavirus fatigue because it's just, and and I know it's wearing on people, and I am somewhat apprehensive about what's going to happen in the fall when those of us who have been able to do stuff outdoors during the summer 
you know, when we lose that and what's it going to do for businesses and what's it going to do for restaurants and all those things where um, you're driven indoors, which is one of the reasons in the last hour I I was arguing for people getting flu shots, because I think now more than ever, you want to try to do everything you possibly can to keep yourself healthy to stop from overwhelming a healthcare system that's still dealing with COVID-19. So where does this lead? And again, I will be curious to see. I'm waiting to see the studies because one of the big things over the course of the last several weeks has been the the number of COVID-19 cases increasing in many parts of the country. And the thing that's a little bit disturbing is if you look at most of those places where the numbers are going up, they are places that have had mask mandates in effect for quite a while. California's had a statewide mask mandate since since June. And again, this isn't anti-mask or pro-mask or anything. It's just like, all right, what's going on in these places that have the mask mandates? And if we think like these mask rules are going to be the magic bullet that takes care of it, well, why isn't that it, that it hasn't taken care of it in other states? Now, the the, the explanation may be if we didn't have mask rules, it would be even worse. And that's it's always tough to prove a negative. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. But the more I look at this, just the more I'm convinced that we're going to be dealing with this masks, no masks, whatever. You know, we're we're not going to get past COVID-19 in the foreseeable future until we get a vaccine. And then we tell we get people to who are willing to take it. So, I mean, I'm, I, I'm this isn't a railing on mask rules. It's just, you know. It would be interesting to see some people start to do studies and say, okay, well, what do we think, you know, how do we explain the fact that in these communities where you have mask rules, there's still there's still all, all this spread of it? Is it because people aren't following the rules, or is it because maybe it's not as effective as we hoped? Or maybe, again, maybe the answer is this is just such a prevalent disease that if you didn't have, if people weren't wearing the masks, it would be even worse. Um, I just, I kind of throw that out there. All right. Let us completely and totally switch gears. Group, producing the show, hold up your arms. Okay, you do not have, you do not wear a watch. There's not a watch, right? No, I don't think I've worn a wristwatch uh, since maybe middle school. (laughs) Well, thank you for adding that. So you, okay, explain to me why you do not wear a wristwatch. Well, I mean, I guess the short answer is I have a, I have a, a a phone. I have a a clock on my phone. Um, So you do not need it. No, I, I would say that I don't need a wristwatch. Okay, and so uh, obviously now you have you you have I know you have a relatively you got you got a busy schedule. You're you're doing all sorts of stuff, but you never have you're always between your phone and other stuff. You're always always around clocks. You have no trouble keeping track of time. No, not really. No, if I had trouble, I think I would need a wristwatch. I've never found that I need one. Okay, well, fa- fair enough. Now I am, I am on the other extreme of this and that I I I mean I I have a phone carry in my pocket all the time would feel naked going out of the house without phone at the same time I I also I would feel naked going out of the house without wearing a wristwatch I I have I have three separate wristwatches one which was two of which are Packers watches one was given to me by late wife my late wife one was given to me by my father and then for my birthday this year my lovely and charming wife Fran she she gave me this watch that I so I I alternate between wearing the three of them 
Um, the one I have from my from Fran is is probably a little bit of a dressier watch than, than the other two. But I mean, I I can't go out of the house without without having the watch on. And, and yes, I have the phone in my pocket, but as somebody who you know, always kind of tries to keep track of, of where they are and who makes his living by, by living at a clock and is surrounded by all sorts of different clocks. Still, inevitably, I find myself looking at my wristwatch to the point that if I am at home at night, sitting in the living room watching TV or something, and for whatever reason, I've taken off one of the watches and that's in the bedroom where I keep them in the dresser drawer. And I, I find myself, it's like, what, wonder what time it is. And it's 830. I'll be looking at my left wrist going, Oh, for God's sake, I forgot. I, I put the watch in there. I, I'm just, I am that addicted to it. Now, there's a story, what got me thinking about this, is there's a story in the Wall Street Journal saying, should you wear a watch if there's no one to impress? And, and the, the story is, with everybody working at, at home, and it, you know, you, so you're telecommuting, is there any reason to put on and to wear a watch if it's not a situation where you're trying to wear a watch to impress somebody? And I don't wear a watch to impress anybody. I wear a watch because... I still look at it to tell time. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Have our wristwatches going, or have they gone the way of, of the dinosaur? I mean, is, is this just something my producer says, you know, he hasn't worn one since middle school. Is this, do people wear wristwatches, and why? And, I mean, I, I understand. I'm surrounded by clocks. I, I get it. But still... Inevitably, when I'm looking to know what the time is, I'm I'm looking at my wristwatch. When I play golf, I've got one of those watches on, and it's just I, I'll kind of glance down at it. It's just flat out easier, especially from someone who needs to know what the time is. Okay, wristwatches are they just completely antiques? I mean, are they going to be gone once my generation dies off? Hate to say that, or I mean, or is there a market for these out there? 855-616-1620. Let's have some fun on a Thursday afternoon. We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. (laughs) Somebody texted in saying, oh, did your wife buy you a Rolex? You do not know my wife. (laughs) Because even... Putting aside the question about whether we could afford a Rolex or not, there is no way that my wife would spend that kind of money on on, on a wristwatch, and I would kill her if she did. But I I have a very nice watch and stuff, but no, I I do not have a Rolex. Not dissing dissing any of you who do have the Rolexes, but I still admit I'm addicted to this wristwatch. And and even though I'm surrounded by digital clocks and things like that, I I find myself looking down at my wrist. I miss it if I don't have it. Holly, Holly, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Jeff, hi, Jeff. Thank you so much for taking my yes, call. Ma'am. I have not worn a wristwatch in 20 years. I used to wear wristwatches. I'm 66 now, and I've been wearing them since I'm nine, although it wasn't a wristwatch per se. It was you had a you know a strap that you buckled in the back, okay, because I had right. narrow wrists when I was a little girl. Okay. Uh, my late mother said uh, between 1995 to 1999, she has a stroke. Holly, take our Timex watches and take send them down to Little Rock, Arkansas <laughs> in those days, and send them down and get them fixed. Yeah, right, Ma, I got nothing else to do. Okay, you guys. <laughs> I did what she said. I sent them down to Little Rock, Arkansas. Jeff, I'm not making this up. Within one hour, one hour, those watches stopped working. Something <laughs> happened between when she used to send them down to Little Rock, and now I'm doing it. Okay, fine. So I go to our local shopping mall. I'm from Chicago suburbs originally, to the Dakota Watch Kiosk, where I buy myself a wristwatch 
and I take it home. I'm wearing it, and it's it stopped working. Uh, and it's <laughs> it's one of the first watches in my life that I don't have to wind it up with my you know I right. have to wind up our watches. Okay, so I go back to him. And I says, maybe there's something wrong with the battery. No, 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 there's nothing wrong with the battery. All right, gives me another watch. Try it again. Same thing happened. It stopped working. I go back to him. He explained that sometimes people's uh, chemistry doesn't (laughs) work with the watch. So at that point, I said, Holly, you know what? Stop wearing wristwatches. Number one, by that time, 2000, any public venue, any public place where you went into, there's plaques all over the wall. I I, I realized... (laughs) I don't need a watch. And not only that, you know, when you, when I, how many times when I used to work, washing my hands, you know, in the sink, I'm not going to take off my wristwatch. I'm too lazy, right? And I'll forget to take it. I put it back on or something. You're not supposed to get water in those Timex watches. Well, that's, <laughs> you know, that's also why I had a little problem there. Too. Okay, okay, Holly. Well, I'm going to put you down. Holly, I'm going to put you down as a as a no on the wristwatch. And, and by the, I understand. I'm surrounded by clocks, and yet at the same time, I I acknowledge. That, that I I still I still like the old wristwatch, Jeff Tony here. I'm a Dallas transplant from Milwaukee. I collect analog watches. I'd lose my mind if I forgot to put one on. I do have a cell phone also. Well, yeah, I have a cell phone too. Debbie in Sussex. Debbie, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Hi. Um, I wear a watch every day. It's actually like the, one of the first things I put on in the morning, and it's the last thing I take off before I go to bed. And I've been, I'm in my 60s, and I've worn one for as long as I can remember. And now my daughter, who's in her 20s, has just told me, I need to get a watch. <laughs> so we're going to be getting her a watch. Oh, cool. And But she's never had one for her first 20 years. She just oh, hasn't worn a watch. Had she's had them. And then she's had the Fitbit and used her cell phone, but she's, She's a teacher, and she wants a, wants a watch. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, that, that works for me. Thanks. Now, you know, you, you raise an interesting thing with the Fitbit. I will tell you, one of the things that might change this dynamic a bit is um, the, the Apple Watch. Uh, my, my wife has one. A number of her friends have one, and they absolutely swear by it. I mean, my wife's it, – it, it's, like, it's like the old Dick Tracy comic strip. I mean, you, you, it's a phone. You know, you can – so you use the Apple Watch, and it can do all this stuff. It can measure the number of steps you have. You can – one of the godsends is if you can't find your cell phone, you can press this button, and your cell phone beeps. You can talk into it. And, and so – even if people now that's not the kind of watch I have. I just my 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 watch it's just got like a second hand and a minute hand and it just kind of it tells you the time. But I, but I do think that you're you're seeing more and more people the, the Apple watches and and actually my wife said do you want one of those I said really I don't <laughs> you know I just I I just I I just I just want a plain old wristwatch that I can look at the the, the clock. Rob in Green Bay. Rob, you're on WTMJ. Hello. <laughs> Yeah, hello, Jeff. I, it, that kind of stole a little bit of my thunder. Okay. I, I, said, I don't think I don't think wristwatches are going away. I think they're just a different animal. Like I, I wear a wristwatch all the time. I sleep with it. I eat with it. Whatever I got, whatever, whatever you do, that's what I do. But I think it's, it's a different animal with the Fitbits, and like you were saying with the Apple Watch. I right. think if you look, you see a lot more people with those on. I mean, I, I wear a Fitbit now on my wrist instead of a, a regular watch now because it gives me steps, it gives me points, and everything towards my my health insurance benefit. Right, right. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, more... No, thanks for calling. I, I think that's going to be the trend kind of more and more. Like I say, my wife bought one as a gift, and, oh, God, 
gosh, I, I too much information. I, I still, I have an older, I have an iPhone 5S. I like the iPhone. I've talked about this before. And at some point in time, it's going to die or they're not going to do updates for it. And I'm going to have to get rid of it. But I like it. And I, it does everything I need to do. And I see no reason to spend eleven or $1,200 to buy a new iPhone while this one is still perfectly serviceable. But it doesn't. It doesn't work with the the um, the the i the iWatches the Apple watches. So you know we ended up having to take back the, the gift. And my wife is like, "Oh, buy buy, you know, buy buy a new new phone. This will be a justification for the watch." And I'm like, "I just I still I just I like my old wrist watches here." Let's talk to Chris in Oconomowoc. Chris, you're on WTMJ. Hi, uh, Hi, Jeff. Chris. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, had, I've had some watches, but i got to be honest with you, they tear the hair off my arm, okay. number one. So, right. I, so I stopped wearing them a long time ago. And then, two, uh, like I told uh, the uh, call screener, I've got some buddies who have some watches on their wrists that are super nice fishing boats. They cost so much money. Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking, I don't want to waste that kind of money on a timepiece. <laughs> An opportunity to see what time it is all over the place. So yeah, put me down for a old uh, watch guy. <laughs> there you go. Well, I mean, again, I I understand. Plus, there's I mean, people are sending me like pictures of some of these. You know, look, I I understand. You can drop tens of thousands of dollars on on watches, and that that's not me. That that's not me. Um, Jeff, I, I wear a watch every day, just a cheap watch I bought from Walmart, and the battery usually lasts roughly three years, but I feel naked without it. I have a cell phone. It's just irritating to unclip my back pocket and always have to look at it when I can just look at my left wrist. Yeah, that's that's kind of the situation that I'm in. I, 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 I've got my little cell phone, and I... I typically carry it in my left front pocket and and yeah I can pull it out and I can push the button and it'll show me you know what the time is but it's just it's just easier to kind of glance at it and I I admit when I'm in the car you've got the digital readout when I'm at work I'm just I'm looking right here there's at least three different clocks that are within my field of view and probably more if I looked around but still but still, I, I just, by force of habit, I look down at my wristwatch and say, okay, it's it's 226. Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Yeah, hi. Good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, you just kind of uh, got my point. Uh, I have a cell phone, and I got a clock in my uh, car that I can look at all the time and see the time right away. But it's just so much easier to flip your wrist and see what time it is. Yep. And then taking out your phone out of your pocket. And for all these Apple watches and everything, that's too much information. I really don't want that. <laughs> yeah, that's right, too. Right, th- thanks. I don't want to know how, thanks for God. I don't want to know how many steps I've taken in a given day or something like that. Now, I, I, I'm not criticizing because, like I say, that's, uh, that, that's the hot thing. And that actually might be the future of, of wristwatches. And, um, and, and for me, I really don't have a desire for that, but I, you never know. I mean, I might end up doing that someday. I, I do kind of like some of the features on those different things. And it, it is sort of nice to be able, like I say, my, my wife, Life, you know, if she it works as a phone now. So if she's out walking the dog or something, and she wants to talk on the watch, she she can talk on the watch. On the watch, it's we're we're living we're living in the Jetsons era, I guess. So in any event, um, it, big story in the Wall Street Journal got me thinking about this about whether you know you should wear a watch if there's no one home. If is is there still a purpose other than trying to impress someone? And for me, I've never tried to impress anybody with the watches. My watches all have sentimental value, but they also have a practical value because I still use them to tell time. This is Jeff Wagner.